a day which, interestingly enough, according to the History Channel, uh, Americans will spend $20 billion. Can you believe it? $20 billion on cards, candy, flowers, jewelry, and uh, assorted entertainment. You know, uh, most uh, religious scholars and historians believe the, uh, the holiday started as a way to honor a priest named Valentine. Valentine was a, was a priest who was executed by the Roman Emperor Claudius for performing secret marriage ceremonies in the church uh, against, in opposition to the emperor's edict against new marriages during a time of war. Apparently, Claudius needed uh, more fighters, and he felt that single men would make better soldiers, thus the ban on marriages. Now, over the years, along with being a day when Americans spend billions of dollars, Valentine's Day has come to uh, kind of signify romance and love. Uh, a day when you, are, when you tell the person who is closest to you how much you love them and respect them and cherish them. Over the years, there have been many things written about love in poems, in songs, and and since the songs that uh, seem to impact us the most, at least early on, are are the songs we hear during our teenage years, I thought I would share with you some of the number one hit songs about love that happened during the 1980s when I was in high school and college. It began in 1980 with Queen singing about a crazy little thing called love. Diana Ross and Lionel Richie followed it with an ode to endless love. Maybe some of you remember these songs. Ario Speedwagon promised to keep on loving you. Tina Turner asked, what's love got to do with it? Huey Lewis in the news reminded us of the power of love. And there's a half a dozen more that I'm not going to bother mentioning. But the song that's from that period about love that's played the most on their radio stations, according to some things I read, is the, the song by a band called Foreigner, remember, remember, called I Want to Know What Love Is. Um, the, the chorus is, is very, very profound, as you can tell by the lyrics. I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. I want to feel what love is. I know you can show me. Very deep words there. People want to know what, what love is. They want to see it. They want to feel it. They want to experience it. They want it to be a part of their life. You know, uh, before we talk about what exactly love is, I thought it might be good to get a definition Uh, from children. So here's from a kid's point of view. Here's what love is. When my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So my grandfather does it for her all the time, even when his hands got arthritis too. That's love. That's a pretty good definition. When someone loves you the way they say your name is different, you know that your name is safe in their mouth. Hmm. Love is when someone hurts you and you get so mad, but you don't yell at them because you know it would hurt their feelings. Love is when mommy makes coffee for my daddy and she takes a sip before giving it to him to make sure the taste is okay. This next one's maybe my favorite. Love is what's in the room with you at Christmas. If you stop opening presents and listen, that's pretty true. Love is when mommy sees daddy smelly and sweaty and still says he's handsomer than Brad Pitt. (laughs) Can't say that I've ever heard that. So if you're a dog lover, love is when your puppy licks your face, even after you left him alone all day. And the last one, you really shouldn't say I love you (coughs) unless you mean it. But if you mean it, you should say it a lot. People forget. What exactly is love? Well, our scripture for this morning answers that question. I mean, after all, it was the Apostle Paul, the author of 1 John, who quoted Jesus as saying this, By this, all people will know you are my disciples 
How? If you love one another. It's John who's been described as the apostle of love. In fact, there's an ancient tradition about him uh, when he's an old, old man and couldn't move around that the elders at Ephesus, the church in Ephesus, would carry him into worship. And he would often say simply, dear children, let us love one another. John tells us very succinctly what love is uh, earlier in first John chapter three, verse 16. This is how we know what love is. (coughs) Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. The first thing that strikes me about this verse is that according to John, love isn't primarily something that you feel. It's not primarily something that you say. Now, obviously, granted, love without feeling and love without words would be a strange kind of love. But what John is getting at here is that love is primarily at its core, at its heart, something that you do. It's, it's an action. Jesus, he said, laid down his life for us. Now, just to be sure we don't miss it, John comes around again to the topic in chapter 4. The passage that Jennifer read. This is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. God didn't just tell us he loved us. He, he showed us by sending his son, Jesus Christ, into the world. Going back to our song by Foreigner, you want to know what love is? You want someone to show you? The Bible says, look at God. That's love. Look at Jesus Christ. That's love. So based on what we find here in 1 John, let's kind of start with a definition of love. We're going to build upon it. The first phrase isn't going to be complete. We're going to add to it and build upon it. So stick with me. Love is giving of yourself. If love is fundamentally something that you do, The fundamental thing is to give and not just give anything, but to give something precious, something special, something personal is to give yourself. God gave his son. Jesus gave his life. Love is giving of yourself. Let's use an example, maybe from some scene you might see if you walk the streets uh, in a bigger city. Perhaps even here in Salina, there's situations you might see this. You see someone who is obviously homeless. Okay, you you give them five dollars. That's an act of kindness. It may or may not be an act of love. But if you help that homeless person to find shelter, if you help them find a job, if you give them a, a warm meal, if you help them get on their feet, now we're talking love. You haven't just given five bucks. You've opened your your heart and your life. You've taken a risk. You've invested time and, and money. You've given something of yourself. But love is not just giving of ourselves indiscriminately to prove a point or to do something admirable. Love is giving of ourselves, we're going to add to the definition now, for the good of others, to meet a need, to serve a purpose. Jesus didn't lay down his life just to prove how devoted he was or how good of a person he was. He laid down his life for us to pay for our sins so we could be forgiven. God didn't send his son just to get our attention. Rather, he sent his son to rescue us in order that we might live through him. Again, back to the example, you if you help a homeless person just to relieve your guilt or to or to show how compassionate you are or to make your life maybe a little bit more fulfilling or meaningful or interesting. That's not love. Love is not about us. It's about the other person and doing something good for them. Pretty good definition so far. Love is giving of yourself 
for the good of others. <laughs> but as we look at First John 4, we realize there's more that needs to be added. Verse 10, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You know, it's interesting to note that it's remarkable about God's love is that he extends it to people who aren't even interested in it. People who, in fact, maybe want nothing to do with him. People who have rebelled against him. People who have chosen their own way. We see this in see all the way back in the, in the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 3, the story of Adam and Eve. They, they choose to turn their back on what's best, on what he has for them, and they go their own way. And as human beings, uh, we've been doing that ever since. At multiple times during our lives, myself included, we, we, we rebel against what God's will is for us. We choose to go another way, a different path. And yet in the midst of that rebellion, in the midst of the wrong choices that we make, God still loves us. God still initiates with us. God still reaches out to us. So let's add another phrase to this definition. Love is giving of yourself for the good of others, even for those with whom you have differences. You know, the Bible doesn't really give us a choice on who we can choose to love. We're not called to love only those who like us or who are like us. We're not called to love only those who agree with us or who ask for our love or who give us their love. No, the Bible tells us to follow God's example, to love those who are different from us, who disagree with us, even those who may be actively acting against us. A pastor from Oxford named Vaughn Roberts put it this way. When you love people who are like you, that's ordinary. When you love people who are unlike you, that's extraordinary. But when you love people who dislike you, that's revolutionary. That's the kind of love that John is calling us to. The kind of love that Jesus demonstrated for us. The kind of love that the world really is, is waiting to see and to know. Now, why is that kind of love so important? <laughs> John answers it pretty directly. In verses 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Now notice he doesn't say love, he doesn't say love is God. As if who we believe in doesn't matter, as long as we love. John does not deify love. He doesn't say God is loving as if love is just one of, of many attributes that God has. He says God is love. In other words, his very essence, his very nature is love. Every other aspect of God, if you think about it, his wisdom, his justice, his mercy, his goodness, his faithfulness, they are all ultimately an expression of his love. They come from who he is. God is love. So if we've been born of God, John asserts, we can't help but love. It's who we are created to be. And when we love, he says, we make God known to each other and to the world. Going back to the song by Foreigner, I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. Well, in this world, we cannot argue people into the kingdom of God. There's a place for apologetics. There's a place for conversation. But we cannot argue people into the kingdom of God. We can only show them you know, most people today really aren't that concerned about if Christianity is true. They're asking if Christianity is good. Now, I would say, don't get me wrong, 
that whether or not Christianity is true is of extreme importance. I believe that it is, and there are many, many things to, to support that and to prove it. But in our world and in our day, people want us to show them the love of Christ before they're going to embrace the truth of Christ. And when we give of ourselves for the good of others, even for those with whom we have differences, especially when we love those with whom we have differences, we show people what love is and we show people who God is, what God is like. So what would this look like in everyday experience? John has something to say about that, too. Chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. I think the screen has four, but it's actually chapter 3. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Love, according to John, is very practical. It's not just words. It's not just feeling. It's action. Action, giving of ourselves every day, doing good for people in ordinary ways. So, for example, ask your spouse how they're doing. Really listen. Put their needs ahead of your own. If you have children, cherish them, love them, pray for them, accept them, even when they screw up. At work, stop by a co-worker's desk, ask how they're doing, how you can help them, bring them a cup of coffee, so on and so forth. These things really aren't world-changing in and of themselves, but they might change us into the kinds of people who give of ourselves for the good of others. A very practical way to, to love comes from the command to serve one another. First Peter 4.10 says, Each one of us should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. If love is giving of ourselves for the good of others, then love also means giving our time and our talent and our energy to and for one another in the service of the church is also love. When a children's ministry volunteer takes time and sits down with a group of kids and prays for them and listens to them and teaches them the truth of Scripture, that's love. When a coffee bar volunteer gets up early and makes the coffee and brings the donut holes and offers you something to drink, that's love. When ushers come and greet you with a smile and hand you a bulletin, when, when our worship people come early to rehearse and, and to lead us into worship, that's an act of uh, investing of time and energy to bless you on a Sunday morning. That's an act of love. You know, if, if you want to go deeper in your faith, if you want to feel a stronger connection to the body of Christ, the best thing you can do for yourself is to serve, to get involved in practical ways of expressing God's love for you and your love for others. Finally, look at verse 16. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. So when we're tempted to compromise or be less than we are called to be, because we want other people to like us or because we want it to be easier, we rely on God's love for us. We know and believe that God's love is what ultimately defines who we are. As John says earlier in this book, chapter 3, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Now, this word lavish gives us this picture of extravagance, of, of really overdoing it, to the point of almost embarrassing somebody by how many gifts you're giving them. It's kind of think about like a baby shower, okay? Uh, we celebrate with our parents, we celebrate the new life, we bring all sorts of gifts and cards, and, and we shower them with gifts. Well, in a sense, that was, that's what God does for us. When we put our trust in Christ, the Bible says we are literally born again. We become a new creation, a new creature. Something happens in our spirit. Jesus called it being born again. No longer are we separated from him by our sin. Now we are his children, and God loves 
to lavish blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon his children. Peace, grace, hope, forgiveness, salvation, joy, love. Simply because he loves us. And that's what he does. And that's who he is. God is love. And when we understand it, really grasp that, it it changes everything. So when we doubt our worth because of personal failure, we know and rely upon the love that God has for us. When we're rejected by others because of our looks or because of our values, we know and rely upon the love that God has for us. When we feel awkward or strange, when we feel no one understands us, we know and rely upon the love God has for us. When we wonder if our needs will be met because of our work situation, our finances, we know and rely upon the love that God has for us. When Satan tries to tell us that we're really not a child of God, when he whispers in our ear that our sin is just too great and that God cannot forgive us because it's the bazillionth time and we knew better, we know and rely upon the love that God has for us. God's love for us is what is to define us, not our stuff, not our accomplishments, not our appearance, not our reputation. We are children of God. And the basis for that status is the cross of Jesus Christ. This is love, verse 10 says. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You see, before the cross, there was a very real gap, an infinite gap between us and God because of our sin. And there was no way around it, under it, over it, or across it. And because of God's love, totally of his initiative, and totally by his doing, love always begins with God. He sent his son, Jesus, to die for our sins. And Jesus bridges that gap, and we are brought near to God, and we are now called children of God. If we understand God's love for his children, then it should lead to a great love for other people. In fact, John tells us that we know we are God's children if we love others. Last part of verse 7, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Now, what does he mean by if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us? Does it mean that God's love for us is conditional based upon the quality and depth of our love for others? No. That would fly in the face of everything else that John is writing about. It's pointing to this. As we love each other, as we love others, as we obey his command to love others, as we live in and through the power of his love, our experience of God becomes more tangible, more real, more complete. Let me think about this. How do you know what it is to experience the love of another human being? It's in a relationship with them. You figure out who they are, what pleases them what their heart is. And if you love him or her, you try to do what will bring them joy. It's the same way in our relationship with God. God is love. And if we want to grow in our relationship with him, if we want to see his love made complete in us, not that we earn it, not that we can increase it, but that we can grow in our experience of his love for us, then we are to love others as he has loved us through his son, Jesus Christ. Saul Bellow once wrote, a man is only as good as what he loves, which is true when you think about it. Average people love things, objects, hobbies, 
Immature people love themselves. Good people love others. Great people love God. And through the power of God's love for them, love others. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And so we also ought to lay down our lives for others. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that despite our sin and our rebellion, our apathy, our hard-heartedness, Lord, despite all those things, you love us. And you've reached out to us through your Son, Jesus Christ, and through the event of the cross. Lord, I pray that we receive that love, that we put our trust in you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that when we do that, we become a new creation, that we're born again, that we are now given the status and the identity of child of God. What a great gift that is, Lord. Help us to rely upon that, to stand upon in that, to trust in your love for us. And then in turn, Lord, help us to love others, especially those who are different from us, especially those who oppose us. Help us to, to love them as you have loved us. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen.